Okay folks, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barak ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta tajlul al-hazna idha shi'la sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu maysa an hasiya an maysara an khalida baji an mustafa an salma an nida' an suhail an salma Again, second salma. And Amin, and Hajra, and Bilal, and the twins. Uh, Muhammad Amir Sahib from Bradford. Ma is Ijlal from Vancouver. Um Ibrahim, Auntie Shakila, Roshan from Manchester, the King, the Prince of Calgary, and the King of all these surveys. Danish, Um Ruqayya, Warda, Ilyas, Doctora Romana, Zara from Leicester, Usama. Shahzad by suddenly woken up. Naeem Wagwan Apps. Aram Khalid. Can you stop shouting, Aram? Capitalized name. Mustafa Asumali from Londonistan. Maryam Baji, the wife of a man upon the Sunnah who knows what the score is about Kumbucha, Kumbacha, Kumbakwas. And uh, Mahira and Saima and Marzita, who I think is down our parts in Posh Altrincham, I think. Today, everybody, National Pakistan Day, Pakistan National Day, Happy Pakistan Day, or whatever you're meant to say. I got no idea. Couldn't care less. Pakistan evening. They were so rubbish today. They were so rubbish today. They were so rubbish today. Full bestie done of Pakistan. Okay, full, full. Kamil bestie ho gaya. Okay, but then the Aussies also bowled very well. We got so excited, Subhanallah. When uh, Nasim Shah yesterday did it, so you know, but then their boys came and did it properly. Alina from Edmonton, no name from a few seconds ago. Yo, no name. Nice picture of the beach, but that's not good enough. We need your name, okay, Baji? All right, it's a nice picture of a grey beach or whatever that is, but we don't do it like that. That's not how we play. We want names. Zubair Khan, Barakallahu Feek, Marzita. Sale is as posh as it gets. You want to sit right down and behave yourself. Shams from London. Wa alaikum salam. Rafiq from Scotland. Hope you guys are doing good. All right. Mesa, come on, man. Where are you? Okay. Now I'm not talking about the Women's World Cup. Okay, let's about the Women's World Cup. Uh, Mesa, come on. Let's have some notes, bro. Come on, man. Don't let me down like that. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Right. So let's jump straight in, yeah? Are we jumping straight in? Most important thing. Um, here we go. Um, before I start, Ajmal, yes, bro, that's another sale boy right there. Um, why am I out of focus now? I'm all right now. Um, the uh, uh, most important thing is next week's lesson is going to be on Thursday. Okay, next week's lesson is going to be on Thursday. And... Uh, where's World Clock? World clock. Mm, inshallah. 10.36. Yeah, you see, I'm not sure what happens next week. So it's going to be, it's going to be, um, it's going to be Thursday, right? Inshallah. Um, but what time? Mm. I get the feeling it might be one hour earlier. All right. As it stands, assume it to be at 
right? Just assume it, UK time, 7.30. Obviously, everyone's times are all over the place. That's why you use the app, because the app gives you a countdown of how long is left, and it works out all the time zones and all that kind of thing. So you will find out, but it's not on Wednesday next week, okay? Insha'Allah, if Allah wills, bi mashiatillahi ta'ala azawajal, then it is going to be from Aqsa, al-Mubarak, all right? If everything goes well, and they don't use the Madeleine Albright. Yeah, I had to speak up. I had to speak up. I lived through that. That's my life. That is. That's my history. That yani what she said on TV is seared into my brain. She will see whether that price is worth it. Unfortunately, she was also yani the major Israeli supporter of all thingy, and I could get stung like a beep on entry into uh, Tel Aviv. So to Allah, let's see what Let's see what happens. In it. Easy come, easy go. Aldine ain't dependent upon Aqsa. But oh my goodness, it could do with a nice boost of Aqsa. Oh my goodness. Okay? That's all that's got to be said. But it might cost everything. Who cares? Not me. Right, so. Um, we are doing, okay. We are doing this part ولا تكره إعادة الجماعة في غير مسجد مكة والمدينة right but actually even though we are doing that uh, uh, which is translated as Mesa let's have a full text yeah the sentence before that and the sentences after that please it is not disliked to repeat a congregational prayer other than in the two mosques of Mecca and Medina now that's correct that's what we're doing theoretically in the uh, sharh but actually um uh uh the, the the thing the point that he's uh uh speaking about is the whole concept of repeating the prayer okay the whole uh, thing is that he's meet he's talking about you know do you pray the prayer again in a masjid alhamdulillah at least yani you um have explained and we like that we like that um so just so that you understand what's going on here, right? This whole chapter is about someone who comes to late masjid, comes late to the masjid, and whether they just walk in and they just like grab people and or they come as a group of people and they just rock up and say, right, iqama, let's just pray. And everyone's sitting there like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. They just pray their second congregation and that's it. Or should they not pray that second congregation? And, 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 and what's the whole concept of another congregation? That's what this whole part is about, right? It started last week and we're going to finish it today and we're going to give it its full treatment, inshallah, today. We started speaking about it and mentioned some evidences and so on and so forth, okay? We are now at the bottom of page 161, okay? 161, right at the bottom. And um, the Sheikh basically says, so this issue really presents itself in three ways. It presents itself in three ways, the whole repeating of a congregation. He goes... Uh, that uh, um, that uh, uh, the Surah the first presentation of this situation would be that the mosque itself has official congregational times. It officially has different congregational times. Right? So it's expected to happen. And the Sheikh says this is absolutely makruh. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And that's if we don't even say it's haram. 
we really should be saying it's haram. But if we're not going to say it's haram, then it's absolutely makruh. I mean, what kind of nonsense is that? That we're having multiple set times for the jama'ah. This is a bid'ah. This is a bid'ah. End of story. Then the sheikh gives an example and he mentions the uh, historical situation that used to happen in Mecca. That they, the mihrabs, you'll see in the old, the old pictures uh, uh, that, that, that show it. You might have seen it. Um, it's got like the Kaaba, then you've got four mihrabs, classic kind of mihrabs, the old school mihrabs, at uh, every side. The one used the Malikis, one was the Shafi'is, one was the Hanbalis, one was the Hanafis, and they all used to do their own da'wah there, they used to do their own kind of teaching there, they used to also lead the prayers there. What a nonsense! And uh, he mentioned that one of the good things about the Saudi state, this is of course under Uthmani uh, Khilafah, and then the Saudi state, uh, uh, when they came in, they got rid of that and made it one. Which is possibly the only single good thing that they did in their entire thing. Can we not make sure that this lesson goes out? She said, can you make this on private, password protected, please, this lesson, okay? Because I'm going to lose absolutely everything, Yanni, from this one. I won't be allowed into Saudi, I won't be allowed into Israel, I won't be allowed into, I won't be allowed into London, I won't be allowed into... What the fish, bro? I'll be stuck in Chiro. Qasim. Okay? Anyway. And you lot are just keep egging me on. That's the problem. Keep egging me on. Now... I want I want to I want to mention a couple of things about this first scenario, because obviously he's just giving some kind of commentary, all right. Um, but the idea is, um, uh, the idea is that um, he has kind of summarized a bit too much. I disagree with the Sheikh there. Alayhi rahmatullah rahmatun I think that it depends upon the masjid. You get what I'm saying? I think that um, like uh, a university mosque in which it is not yet any... Uh, but you see, you see, there's... Okay, let me say, there is absolutely no doubt that as an asal, as a basic default, right? The uh, all masajid should have one congregation. Keep yani, the... Uh, 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 keep the uh, thingy uh, together. Keep the congregation together. Force people to make yani, that single prayer the most important part. Ultimately, it's a convenience thing. You know, if you can make the second jama'ah, then you can make the first one. Let's get rid of the second one. That's what the big thing in the back of the mind, right? That 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 that, 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 that Sheikh Uthameen does not want these folks to have this idea where they become lazy and don't attend the jama'ah. That's exactly what's going on here, right? And so uh, we want to try to avoid that whole, con that, that whole kind of fitna. All right, that makes sense. So now the issue is... Um, is that nowadays so important that we create a kind of situation where we call it bid'ah in scenarios where it is very, very difficult? So, for example, a university mosque in which everybody's praying, like lots and lots of Muslim students, and they all have different lessons, different times. Um, do I think that that kind of place, which is not seen as a local community mosque and etc., uh, uh, etc., if it has, a, uh, but it's somewhere in between because you got like you know your local like like Chido Mosque. It's 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 for Chido uh, uh, residents and surrounding areas, and nothing more and nothing less. And it should never have anything other than one jama'ah. And by the way, by the way, there has been significant attempts which we have squashed on the head like crushing an ant. Okay, absolutely killed, and there have been significant attempts over the last five ten years. Of wanting a longer than that as well, then insisting upon a second jama'ah during summer, 
where they wanted to pray the Maghrib and the Isha prayer together, following that Doji Fatwa, as opposed to praying Maghrib and Isha very late like we do. And we refused them and there was arguments and this, that, and whatever. And we said, absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible. Not in a masjid like this. So this is one extreme, which is the absolute protected community-based mosque. There should only be one congregation, one imam, one authority, end of. you got the other extreme, which is a mosque of convenience, which is nothing much more than a musalla. It's on the side of a motorway. It's a service station. It's next to the toilets. It's literally there for people in the middle of the night, stopping, daytime. Uh, it's like the mosque. Uh, uh, it's like the airport prayer room There's no imams to these places Never was meant to be an imam The adhan might be recorded or not even given um, uh, There might be You know some You know there might be a regular person Who lives you know Caretaker of the service station Might come in and do it But it's understood It's not even any point in putting Official dhuhr number one at this time Dhuhr number two at that time Dhuhr number three at that time No point no point because uh, people want to come in and just in and out, in and then out, right? Airplane, uh, flight leaving, uh, just putting my uh, uh, petrol in, gas in, you know what I mean? And so there's no point. And no, we don't need to worry about Jama'ah because Jama'ah will happen as soon as a person walks in, they'll see a person who'll pray and that's it. No one's getting offended, no one cares, no one, there's no uh, disrespect to, uh, to the Imam, there's no lack of integrity or challenge integrity of the people, blah, 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 blah. So that's another extreme. All right, but I think that a place exists for some centers or musallas or even masajid that belong in the middle. I think the perfect example that I can think of would be MYF in uh, uh, the center of Manchester, and there might be that Soho Mosque, you know, in uh, London. And I think every city will be able to think of one, which is in a city center, which is servicing. It's kind of not really got a dominant local community, but it probably does have a few, you know, people who live in the high rises and people who live in flats, rented accommodation. They might be there. There might be an imam who lives on site. And I, I don't know whether it's such a killer to have two congregations for each prayer, for example, uh, to account for the fact that so many different people are coming at different times because of valid legitimate reasons they don't know any of each other they're not trying to maintain a congregational community thing and i don't know if that's really a bid'ah and that's a problem now obviously what i'm saying there is a risky position because the asal is that as sheikh Uthamin said that's bid'ah when did it ever happen why are you even offering that stick to one and that's it and if they come later then let them then do the second jama'ah by themselves or by other people but don't mess about with the formal prayer and i've got to say that if you if you were to put it like that that resonates with me i do like that okay i do like that statement that people should be confident that no we stick to one jama'ah let's not disrespect the jama'ah let's make sure but i think that disrespect thing really comes into its own when it's a really proper community mosque as opposed to this kind of mid-range neither community neither out and out travelers but somewhere in between kind of more to the left yani to the to the travelers i don't think it's their be all and end all and sheikh uthameen is basically saying no that's the first surah and i'm saying mm, okay so allahu a'lam okay allahu a'lam but it's good to go with what he's saying that we should not yani encourage multiple congregational prayers in the mosques in general the second surah, which is what we're doing today, is meaning it just happens, right? So there's basically uh, the imam has finished, the congregation has finished, and one, two, three people come in, and they come in, and they missed it by one minute or five minutes, doesn't matter, they've come in now, what do they do? All right, 
So this is now the real scenario. It happened to all of us. It happens to us all the time. And either we've missed it because we tried our very best to make it, but we were delayed in a car park. We were delayed because there was traffic outside. Or we didn't even know that the, the, what time the Jama'ah was. We went to the masjid and then we realized we just missed it. Or we did it on purpose. We missed it on purpose, knew the masjid, whatever, whatnot. But we knew that it's going to be a rush and blah, blah, blah. We'll just go and pray ourselves. So it doesn't matter what version of this second scenario is. But the point is, is that this is not organized in the masjid. There's only one prayer in the masjid, but it's happened so that you guys have arrived more than one person and we're here now. What do we do? What do we do? Sheikh says, um, so the scholars differed on, it, on this issue and indeed they did. He says at the top of page 162, So there are, um, uh, 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 that the congregational prayer is not to be repeated again. It's not to be offered a second time and everybody should pray by themselves. And everybody should pray by themselves. And the second position is that they said, no, you should do it. And you should pray the Jama'ah. And Sheikh Uthameen says, and that's of course the correct position. No doubt about that. And that's the position of the Hanbali school. And the evidences for that are everything that we mentioned in the last couple of weeks. The hadith of uh, Ubay ibn Ka'ab that the Prophet ﷺ said that the prayer of a single person with another person is more purer for him than him praying alone and the prayer of two people is more pr uh, the, the uh, and the prayer of him with two people is more prayer than his prayer with just one other guy and whatever is uh, more in number greater in number than it's more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we covered that hadith last time and that's the Shaykh Atamin said this is a very clear definitive nos a text and a story that every time that you increase the jama'ah that is something which is liked and therefore if we say that no don't establish the second jama'ah we're actively going against this hadith we're basically saying that or well, the prophet said that you know do that more and more then you get more reward and we're saying no you pray by yourself you know what i'm saying all right so he goes this would be disagreeing with the nos and the second evidence is the hadith we mentioned maybe about 10 times now at mina the two boys come in and uh, they didn't pray with the fajr prayer the prophet said what are you doing and then you know uh Oh, sorry, no, no, he didn't use that. No, no, beg your pardon, beg your pardon, beg your pardon, beg your pardon, beg your pardon. My, my, my mistake. I just completely assumed the thing. Um, he said the second evidence, we did mention this hadith as well, but last week, but um, he was sitting there uh, in, uh, with his companions and a man walked in after the prayer had finished and he turned to his companions and he said, Man ala hadha Who will give this man some sadaqah and pray with him? And then one of them prayed, one of them, one of the companions stood up and he prayed with that person. This hadith narrated by Imam Ahmed and it is Sahih uh, according to a number of scholars. Imam Tirmidhi, he narrated it as well, hadith number 220. He said this hadith is Hassan. Abu Dawood narrated it as well, 574. This hadith is good, inshallah, Allahu A'lam. And Sheikh says that this is a very clear text and a story. Yeah, I need that. Uh, uh, this is um, a repeating of the congregation after the official congregation has already been performed. And the Prophet is recommending it and uh, called it a sadaqah. And, 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 uh, so basically, you know, it's a it's a very uh, uh, clear um, a recommendation to do that. So of course, you should repeat the prayer. Now, now, um, this is a matter of a lot of difference of opinion, actually. 
even though these two evidences are there and more as well. And I've got to say that these evidences scare me. I'm that person who uh, doesn't actually like this position so much, meaning that I am uh, uh, my own personal choice, my own, always my, uh, how can I say, my own um, personal um, practice has been to follow the opinion of Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu an. Uh, his opinion was that you do not pray the congregational prayer a second time. All right. This was also the position of a number of tabi'in, number of the salaf. Imam Malik used to be the strictest of them all. The Hanafis have two narrations. In one of them, they consider it to be makru tahrimi, meaning very seriously, yani disliked, very, very, very seriously disliked. But there's also a second narration in their school as well that says it's allowed if nobody sees it, meaning they do it in hidden, private, out by the side somewhere. Imam Malik said it's makru. Sometimes even saying it's bid'ah, haram, uh, he became hardcore. I'll speak about that in a second. And a Shafi'i also used to consider it to be makru as well. So the majority of scholars don't like this, actually. And it's only the humbly school that said, which is no problem. The issue, of course, is that the evidences are as super clear as it gets. And you really cannot fight against these evidences. So then how do we resolve this then? Why is it that the majority weren't there and the evidence is so clear and what should we do and what do I do and what's going on? So I do want to speak about this a bit. Again, this goes back down to authority. It goes down to politics. They said about Imam Malik, okay, they said about Imam Malik that the reason that he was so strict on this issue is because of the situation in Medina at the time that people were practicing this congregation second one. And he was basically at a time where the obviously as a center of Islam, lots of people congregate there. Lots of people then have strength in their groups because they've got numbers and lots of people of bid'ah. And the people of bid'ah, classically, the way that they presented themselves is they would not pray with the Muslims. That's why you will always find, uh, you know, throughout Islamic history, when the scholars have been uh, writing kind of treaties and essays and papers and fatawa over the last thousand years, on the, the people Ahl Sunnah and Ahl Bid'ah, you'll see it often characterized as whether they pray or we pray behind each other. I want you to know, I want you to know that it is the sign of Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah, Sunni Muslims, proper Ahl Sunnah, that we pray behind any Muslim. It's like a very, very big thing for us that we don't care how miskeen he is, how jahili he is, how poor his recitation is. We don't care what kind of deviant yani guy he is. As long as my guy is a Muslim, we will pray behind him. It's a like a it's a it's a defining characteristic of Ahl Sunnah. Because it is a defining characteristic of Ahlul Bid'ah to not pray behind the people they think are deviant. So you'll see that throughout history. You'll see that throughout history. Like the Shia, for example. You'll see them now even. Now, listen. We'll speak about Shia properly in a minute, okay? Is that another country you get me banned from? Bro, I want to go taste some of that Iranian bread for crying out loud. What the hell's wrong with you people, man? I have it on my calendar to go to Iran. Me and Shaz need to go and do our food tour there, but you're not getting me in trouble everywhere, man. They've got the best food. Gassam, they've got the best food. Anyway. The Shia, wherever they are, don't pray behind Ahl Sunnah. The Brelvis, for example, bro, bro, where's our Bradfordians, man? Where's our Bradfordians? 
Only Amir's are here, but you know some of those boys, yani Pir Ma'roof and all his boys, they you know they go to the Kaaba in Mecca and they in front of everybody as soon as the Imam starts, they all gather in a massive thing and they walk out. They got arrested so many times for this, by the way. And they they establish their own congregation and they give these crazy fatwas who are praised behind Sudais and they were the praise behind Fulan and I don't mind them cussing Sudais, but I mean whoever praised behind the Imam of Makkah's kafir. Yeah, stupid behavior. My point is is that the people of ignorance and, and bid'ah, they 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 uh uh they do not pray behind Ahlul Sunnah. This is not to do about prayer being different or not. This is irrelevant. All of our prayers are different, but the fundamental structure doesn't change in any of the schools. None of the schools have a fundamental change. Even the Shia prayer has no difference fundamental in the prayer structure. Okay? This is about ideology. This is about who you think is Muslim or not. Because Ahlul Sunnah do not make takfir of people. All right? So, uh, 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 so yeah, as Maryam says, you know, some of the most stupid reasons are given, uh, let alone the very serious reasons. Ibn Taymiyyah has a whole book, it's an essay, where he spoke about praying behind the people of Bid'ah being the mark, the hallmark of Ahlul Sunnah. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Now, I'm not saying that people do it as a whole, Ijlal. I'm saying that this is this is the way it is. Yeah. And by the way, a lot of these folks that do that, their taqiyah, the taqiyah, sorry, is that they pray behind you and then they pray separately because they're worried about being uh, uh, singled out. So they pray behind you and they pray separately. And I remember I've, I, I grew up in a Bradley mosque and I used to hear it all the time. If you're in a masjid like that and you don't know, then you pray with them and then you got up and you pray by yourself. And I used to see that all the time. I see that all the time. Bradleys get up and then pray in, in a different mosques that I used to uh, uh, pray in. Anyway, my point is that even though Ahlul Sunnah don't get an opportunity as much, this is why it used to make me very, very angry, especially when I was younger because... It used to be very common now, alhamdulillah, it's not, not, not so common. About the Sunni people not praying behind railways, for example. And uh, uh, I'll find it everywhere. Al-Hadith, for example, not praying behind railways and whatever, whatnot. So I'll say to them, tell me then that they're kafir, because I don't know what on earth that you're doing right here. Okay? So, um, and they haven't got a leg to stand on. And um, I remember back in the days when this used to be fashionable, we used to, you know, carry around Sheikh Al-Bani tapes to play to people. And I remember like the Salafis back in the day, I'm talking about 23, 24 years ago, whatever. They would be, they would be like, no, no, no way, it's haram, it's kufr, blah, blah, blah. And um, we, I, I used to have this one cassette saved for them where Sheikh Al-Bani was doing a Q&A session. And he was asked about, you know, praying behind the Brelwis. And uh, uh, he said in that, um, he said in that tape that, uh, of course, this is, they're Ahlul Bid'ah. They're not Mushrikeen. And the question was obviously a pack here. Yeah. no, no, Sheikh, they do this, they do that, they do Thursday, and they put a chair out, and they could say, Ya Rasulullah, and they this, that, whatever. Sheikh Al-Bani is saying, listen, these are Misakeen, Jahil people, they're not Kuffar, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and, um, and, uh, you know, he really went into that whole kind of uh, thingy. And, and he said, in fact, he goes, They're just, you know, following fairy tales. They're not, you know, they're just, you know, miskin there. And, and he, like, you know, and uh, they used to never believe when you used to show them that, uh, that, uh, uh, that, that cassette. 
He used to blow their minds. He used to be my my super killer. Anyway, the point is is that um, you see, like the question, what about praying behind a Shi'i? This is like an idea that we are, we equate the Shia to non-Muslim, and that's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. Uh, the asal of the Shi'i Muslim is that he's a Muslim, and that we will pray, even though flipping, you know, you're you're, you're, you're killing yourself during the whole <laughs> period. I remember once me and the chief Usman, we went to um, uh, we went to some place in London. Uh, I got some stories on this, by the way. I got bear stories. But the most recent times, maybe four, three, four years ago, we were in London. We went to go and meet Dome, right, to decide whether the new kind of program should be like Dome led or not. And um, and so we went. And uh, before we went, we thought we would go and uh, get some food. We're in an area of town. We don't know what's going on. Nothing here. Lovely. Uh, Iranian restaurant and um, <laughs> you know what it is yeah it was such a nice restaurant anyway we go in and uh, we uh, we 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 ate our food and then we come out and we looked at the, the time and we said we've got to pray and then we, right across the road is a masjid but it was like a converted church whatever what, no, nothing whatever what, no. walked in so quiet it was dead and I had a desk and this and that a reception area. It looks so weird. We walked in, not a single soul anywhere, just not a single soul. So we said, "Ah, oh, sweet." We just made wudu. We prayed. Oh, maybe asr, maybe everything. I can't remember. And then, you know, it is here. We just like it just felt weird, bro. And then we start looking around and. We start to see, and it's different when you start seeing all these signs and this and that, whatever. It was the creepiest place ever. It was a Shi'i masjid. We found out afterwards. We googled it, yeah, and we realized that we've been praying in a Shi'a mosque. Alhamdulillah, we prayed by ourselves. But the point is, I know you don't have to tell me about how, you know, horrible it might feel to pray behind people that might say things. This that. unless they are, they come out of kufr and straight out kafir, and you're clear that they are kufar, then the prayer behind them is valid if you're praying with them. This is nothing to do with their mosque. I'm just talking about the, the idea. Bro, I've been into a Qadiani mosque thinking it was a mosque, by the way. When I was at university, those folks in Manchester will remember the one that's at Hume. Yeah, I remember walking past that, thinking sick, Maghrib time. Walked in, and so nice, clear, whatever, whatnot. And uh, it was amazing. <laughs> it's Maghrib time, and there's not a single person in the masjid for, for Maghrib. There's not a single person there. And not a single person came in. So I prayed Maghrib by myself. I waited half an hour. And I prayed Maghrib by myself. And I went to the uh, notice board and I see Khalifa so-and-so, Khalifa so-and-so. I was like, what the fish? And I didn't know what that was going on. And then I just remember coming out and telling someone, by the way, I went into this mosque. It's so nice and this and that, whatever. And they go, you fish? That's a that's a, that's Qadiani temple. That is. I said, Ras! Alhamdulillah, no one went there. Anyway, I don't want to get a uh, thingy. Um, obviously, this is now going right into Shia and other Shia Muslims and Shia, not whatever, whatnot. Yeah, there's some Shia Rafid, there's some Shia. Not we, we, you can't apply any yeah, basic. Uh, you can't apply what some people do to all of them. This is a big mistake. Yeah, and you got to be specific, right? And Shia ulama likewise, you got to be specific. There are Shia which are Zaidiya, and then there are Shia Rafid who are the biggest kufari I know on the planet. Blah blah blah. 
Mariam, Dad, Ali, the most she has. He stood to lead and looked back and thought, why are they <laughs> Let me clear. <laughs> oh my god. Oh sugar. <laughs> Reminded me of a little rat, Yanni, who was at one of these mosques. One little rat, he went around. <laughs> he went around and he picked up every single person's mobile phone, you know that? Every single person. <laughs> I know these people are trying to grab <laughs> Every trying to, Every adult was trying to grab that guy. Trying to grab that guy and he was like standing out of the thing and just kept picking up and he gathered all of these things. Then he sat down with them right at the front and he's playing with them that little rat. That little rat. Children should be banned from massaging. Right, that's enough laughing, man. Honestly, you guys made me laugh today too much. Right, there's a Shia mosque in Brampton. And we were driving. Brampton, by the way, is in Toronto for the uninitiated of you on this class. And we were driving by and popped in, it was so pretty and had a concierge with guards, etc. An electric door to let you in. Also, there was a room with big golden crew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some madness out there. Anyway, the point is, is that um, we're speaking about maintaining the integrity of not just the mosque, but the integrity of Ahlul Sunnah who pray behind everybody and, and so on. I have no idea why we got onto this point. The point is that, oh yeah, sorry, Imam Malik yeah, and he saw that Ahlul Bid'ah had increased and they were not praying behind the Muslims because the 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 the, the Muslims had uh, become kind of, how can I say, relaxed with the idea that there was going to be a second Jama'ah and a third Jama'ah. So Ahlul Bid'ah were jumping on. They were jumping onto that and saying, well, if there's a second Jama'ah, we don't need to make a big hue and a cry. We'll come after the first one and we won't be the ones that will be singled out for being the people of Bid'ah. We don't want to pray behind those people. We are not. We don't think their prayer is valid. We think they're Kuffar or Bid'ah, blah, blah, blah. So we'll pray second one and we won't even get the blame for it. We'll blame it on the locals. So that's basically what's happening and that's why Malik was super, super harsh on them. There are other evidences as well. There's a hadith famous one, of course, which inshallah authentic, where the Prophet ﷺ was delayed coming to the masjid. And... Um, and this is actually what the main evidence for the main for the scholars are. It's as weak as it gets, but uh, 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 the Prophet got delayed in Quba. He was doing some and he's dealing between the people, trying to sort something out. He comes back late. He looks in the masjid and they've already uh, started the prayer, nearly finished or whatever. I'm not. I can't remember whether they'd finished it or just finished it or nearly finishing it or whatever. And instead of, I think finished, yeah, finished. And instead of coming coming into the masjid, he went home. To his home next door didn't come into the masjid and so they basically said if this was something sunnah this was something required then he would have come in definitely and you know there's no doubt about that yeah this is basically what they're saying um yeah just to make it clear that the third scenario i said the first scenario is that you know it's been organized the second one it just happens the third one is if that it's a uh 
masjid of the uh, masjid of, of, of uh, market or station then there's no problem with second third jamaz but we're still stuck on this uh, second one so this is a normal mosque and you come in so he didn't want to disturb the people and you know they said that well like i said the evidences are no doubt stacked up with the with uh, with the hanbalis and sheikh uthameen and the class position we have to go with it however if you want my nuanced class position my nuanced class position is as follows that you should make the decision on whether to pray that second congregation or not based upon the culture and the mood and the level of fitna it might cause or lack thereof in the masjid that you're about to do it with the people that you're about to do it i when i'm with my peoples and many of you guys are with me on different places and trips and when we're when we're you know relaxing in the uk or doing classes al-maghrib classes and you'll see us you know sometimes when it's lunchtime, we'll go for the salah when I'm teaching on the university sites and they pray. You will see that I'll tell everybody pray by yourselves, right? I prefer that because people are very sensitive to that challenge against the authority of an imam. And especially if someone like me, I want you to understand that, right? It's like, oh, there he goes. He's too big for joining us. And, you know, he's the big man, wants to have his own congregation. And people are very sensitive. And I've got to be super sensitive to being, being perceived like that. It's not that case at all, Right. But that's also important. If you come in a group of people and a group of students and you've got this own kind of identity going on, this is bad. This is bad politics. Bad, bad politics. We can't be having that. Neither in separate times, neither. Uh, I, today, by the way, I was listening to Yasser Qadi released a video today. He released a video today, which is nice. I think you should watch it. Um, I've done a video on it similar, I think, for Faith IQ a couple of years ago on the history of how to ha of uh, how Taraweeh was developed, and you know my opinion on all, all this kind of thing. I've got a couple of videos on that, but anyway, um, so he's doing his like you know uh, a lesson version going through the development of Taraweeh and the numbers of units and so on and so forth, and he said something which I didn't like at all, and I I messaged him and I said, bro, I don't know where you got that one from. He goes, yeah, yeah, I don't have a reference for that. I go, come on, bro. He goes, but I didn't say I, I, I had a reference. I said, bro, you didn't say a reference for any of what you said. People will be listening to that and be thinking that this is all from the Sunnah. And it's not. What he said, if you've seen it, and if you haven't, then check it. What he said is that Umar radiallahu an, because of the lack of uh, carry of uh, the volume of the Imam for the Taraweeh prayer, because there were multiple Imams, and there were, and because Umar appointed multiple Imams, and he did, and because Umar uh, had, you know, these multiple Imams, that my basic assumption, Yasser's assumption, is that that in one side of the mosque there was one congregation, and in another side of the mosque there was another congregation, and then the women were led separately behind, meaning three at the same time. I said, Yasser, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Now, in fairness, when he says it, he then follows it up immediately by saying, and yeah, maybe it could mean that they were praying at different times. Uh, but he made the, his asal, his default position, that they were praying at the same time, which is absolutely nonsensical and absurd. Absurd. I mean, there's so many holes in that narrative that just doesn't make any sense. Okay, not a single mention in the seal, not a single yeah, any evidence for it. Doesn't make any aql sense, blah, 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 blah. End of story. But anyway, he's sticking to his guns. He goes, yeah, 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 you know, in his academic way. Yeah, okay, maybe yours might be a default, but there's no way to prove it. I go, bro, there might not be a way to prove it definitively. What's the correct, what's the exact way that it was? But I can tell you right now that the asl would not be your one, would it? That they're all praying together. 
the absurdity of that, if whether it's a nafal or not. So, I just want you to know that never should we accept this idea that multiple congregations is a good idea. Neither should we allow that. I think uh, Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti he said something interesting, which is important because normally you hear this mention about the Hanbali school, but he said in the Maliki school from its usul, from its principles that underlie its fiqh. The rules that allow people to work out, you know, what's going on in Hanafis in the in the Maliki school, to close the door, right? To to prevent you know, any things developing and getting worse, to close the door, is a very very main key principle, right? It's a major principle, meaning that if they see a threat, they will come down hard upon it so that it doesn't develop into something else. Which is why they said he's not surprised, and actually it's very clear in the Maliki school. That's why they don't. I think that the fasting of six days of Shawwal is um, uh, the six days of Shawwal um, uh, uh, after Ramadan is to be fasted. Not even a Sunnah. Not even recommended. Not even rewarded. Yani, is is Malik's position, which is crazy because the Hadith of Muslim says the exact opposite, right? And then in this one here, he goes, a person should not pray the second Jama'ah. And the Hadith is so so clear. He's the heart, but he now makes all the sense in the world. The people of Bid'a were jumping onto this one and therefore using that second Jama'ah. No wonder he's so harsh against them. The Jahil people were making the six days of after Shawwal the same as that of Ramadan. They were making it the same value as that of Ramadan. Like, you know, if you didn't fast the six, you were being shamed and you were being judged and you were being looked down upon. You get know what I'm saying? And so, um, uh, so he stands up and he, you know, he goes, let me tell you something. No way yani, is this ever to be practiced like you lot practice it. Calm down, get rid of it, stop it, you know, so that people get it out of their head, their idea that this is so important. So this again is Malik, Imam Malik's yani, way. Anyway, um, I think the middle position is that you assess the situation. If you can go downstairs or to a separate room and pray congregation, you won't upset any people, you won't create suspicion. I think that's very good. I think if you get the permission of someone, that's even better. Just don't make commotion. It's not good. It's disrespect yani, for that first jama'ah anyway. It gives makes people lazy and makes them always believe that, you know, that they can catch the prayer later. Which leads to the next point, right? So this is not something which is so to repeat the congregational prayer is no problem unless unless you unless in Makkah and Medina and in Makkah and Medina it really is a makruh. In Mecca and Medina, it is makru uh, to repeat the congregational prayer. Walaikum salam Mahila. Are you in Mecca, young lady? Is the real question that we want to know. Or are you back yet? Um, so, this this is interesting. Make, uh, the Hanbali school is making an exception for the congregational uh, prayer, a second one, in Mecca and Medina. Let me read what he says, and then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what he says. So, and and the Hanbalis, they said that, so that the, the people uh, do not basically get lazy in attending that key big main congregation with the Imam. And Sheikh goes, to be honest, if we were to take this reasoning, okay, This applies to all masajid, not just these two. It applies to all masajid. Why would we, why would we, why would we, why would we, yani, just apply this to thingy? 
this this would cause all people you know, to disrespect the congregation. And that's why Sheikh Uthameen says, that's why this is just the first opinion on the matter. As for the second opinion on the matter, uh, then the repetition of, or the repeating of the congregational prayer, allowing a second and a third in the uh, haram, haramain, is not uh, disliked. It is no problem. And that these two masajid are like every other masjid when it comes to that. And so if you do enter Masjid al-Haram, and you have not been able to pray with the Imam, then... Uh, you and your people, then you pray and there's no problem. And this is the correct position when it comes to repeating the prayer. Now, I want to say that was back then. Today, I see zero issue with this. Multiple reasons. Number one, the masjid is so big, it's like a city. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody cares what's going on. Number two, this masjid is not a congregational local mosque. This is like the, it's the, the mother and king of all market mosques or airport mosques it's a mosque which people come and go nobody knows nobody okay except a couple of princes or a couple of you know lucky people at the front you know got reserved places nobody knows nobody cares everybody comes and goes this that blah 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 nobody knows cares at all to the extent that i will tell you that us like like me right when i take my group whether it's the hajj group or an umrah group and uh, more times than not, we will intentionally miss that first jama'ah or the jama'ah, sorry, which is not necessarily something to, um, not necessarily something which is to brag about. But when you look at and understand that the primary aim of the people to come there is to do the umrah and to make that jama'ah would cause a number of logistical problems that would not allow the umrah to occur, would not allow the group to remain together, especially for folks that have, you know, need a bit of support and so on and so forth. So we will not enter, even though we're at the hotel and we are ready to go, we will pause and we will use that as a moment to do our last minute preparation and, and review of the, the, the fiqh and everything. Let the prayer finish, let the people come out and then we'll go in. We will go in, men and women, just like we did last uh, last week. Some of the guys here were there or, uh, during that. Uh, and we will go and find a quiet area. And we will establish our jama'ah, men and women. Pray our own congregation intentionally. Gods will tell us, yep, go and do it over there. We'll do it with the support of the people because it's understood. And that's why I personally feel that the correct position is that it's not a be or it's not a, 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 an absolute position to hold to either do it or not do it it should be done when the masjid encourages it and when there are people in the mosque that don't like that behavior it should not be done right to minimize fitna but on the whole it should be allowed because the hadith are very clear on it and we are worried and scared about going against hadith but in principle we need to scare people off for the concept of being lazy and missing the jama'ah. Is that clear, everybody? Does that basically um, make sense? Yeah? Jamil says, so many people pray there, so many people pray their own jama'ah if they arrive late. Are they using an alternative evidence? Sometimes you are praying and people join behind you. What does one do? Yeah, you know, if someone, I've spoken about that before somewhere, I can't remember, but oh, oh, we've done that in lessons before, quite a lot of detail. But if someone comes and prays behind you, then it's allowed. Okay, it's allowed and you pray with them and, uh, you know, everything that's been asked, I've already asked. Okay. Um, yeah, Maysara, you know, uh, 
uh, if I uh, and this happened a couple of times, okay, where we go in at like uh, you know traffic and X Y Z doesn't kind of make it the right time and then the group splits up and it just causes panic and blah blah blah. All right, so I hope that that makes sense and that's a class position and however you guys will work it out. Mesa, good luck, Yanni and Zafar, good luck because I've got no idea what I said. Right, uh, Mesa, I need some more text, bro. Come on, man. What's happening here? Can't get the staff custom. Sarah, by the way, let me tell you guys, I got very, very good news. Sarah, mashallah, got married. Sarah, mashallah, tabarak rahman got married to Salman. They got married last uh, week and she's busy um, and has been busy. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless her and bless her union. We're super happy for her. In fact, we taught a class yesterday in her honor in red background for the romance of marriage, mashallah. Although we did at minute 51 go to the red, the green, the green of pre-Pakistan day. We did. And that's where we're going to remain. Today is Pakistan's day. All right. So, uh, as you folks give your congratulations, I'm going to read the text. So what we're doing now, وَإِذَا أُقِيمَتِ الصَّلَةِ فَلَا صَلَةَ إِلَّا الْمَكْتُوبَةِ فَإِنْ كَانَ فِي نَافِلَةٍ أَتَمَّهَا إلا أن يخشى فوات الجماعة فيقطعها ومن كبر قبل السلام ومن كبر قبل السلام سلام إمامه لحق الجماعة وإن لحقه راكعا دخل معه في الركعة وأجزأته التحريمة. So the text translated that we are covering today and next week, inshallah, is if the prayer is established. There is no other prayer to be offered. Obviously, the prayer here means the obligatory prayer. If the prayer is established, there is no other prayer to be offered other than that obligatory prayer. If one is praying a supererogatory prayer, nafil prayer, at that time, he should complete it unless he fears he will miss the congregation, in which case he cuts his prayer. So this is a simple scenario, right? You're in the masjid, you've just come in, you haven't prayed your sunnah, right? Uh, the sunnah for the salah. And uh, whatever the prayer is, this is obviously most common in the Fajr time. This is Fajr time scenario nearly all the time. Hardly occurs. Or it's, not only does it hardly occur for the rest of the prayers, but even if it does occur, it's not a problem because whatever you're praying is easily going to be finished before so the Imam finishes four rakah. However, when you're in the Fajr situation, it's a risky situation because the Imam is only praying two rakah and therefore you've got less time to play with. And so what you've got to try and do is to make sure that you don't get caught out. What is getting caught out? Getting caught out here is a spiritual getting caught out and then a legal getting caught out. Legal getting caught out is that you're stuck in your nafal prayer and you missed the actual fard prayer, right? Right, which is crazy. And then secondly, the spiritual thing is is that, you know, you're, you're competing, you know, that's the, that's the congregation you're by. It's a disaster. So the whole point here is to understand that if you've already started praying or if you are about to start praying your sunnah prayer, what should happen? Yani when the obligatory prayer is established. Okay, now the word here used is iqama. This is actually a hadith of the Prophet So here we have a rare example, not so rare by the way, of an author when he is speaking, he's quoting the hadith as normal speech by not indicating that it's a hadith, okay? Um, so this hadith is sahih. 
So this, so when the is that when the uh, the when the prayer is established, then there is no prayer to be offered except that. And he sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that because he was trying to pray the obligatory prayer, and other people are praying the nafil prayer. Like what? We're all here, and you're praying by yourself. It's a challenge. It's a direct challenge. It doesn't matter that it's a sunnah prayer. But we are now a unified unit doing our thing. You can't be doing your own thing. That's the reason the hadith is there. Now, because the Prophet didn't elaborate further, it's led to, you know, questions. It's led to, you know, all kinds of... Uh, it's led to some discussions. Okay? First of all, well, all of these discussions are around when he says Ida uqimat, when the prayer is established. I think I translated it as when the prayer is established. If you guys can think of a better translation, let me know. What are we saying, Mesa? Uh, Mesa? If the prayer is established. Right? So if you think you guys can think of something better than that, the prayer is established. Yeah, I don't know. I've never liked that, but you know what I mean. So Ida uqimat, when the prayer is when the prayer has been stood up right or when it has been stood up it has been stood up the question is what does that mean does that mean the prayer itself meaning imam says allahu akbar does it mean that the iqama has started allahu akbar allahu akbar ashhadu an la ilaha illallah ashhadu anna muhammadar rasulullah ya rasulallah ya rasulallah qad qamat as-salah the prayer has been established the prayer has been established. The problem reason I don't like initiated is because initiated has to do with starting. And that would be like the beginning of the prayer potentially. Whereas established almost is enough of a start without saying started. It's talking about the, the thing. And that's the problem with commenced as well. Right? We want to try. You see, in motion is better than those other two in meaning. Not in wording. It sounds horrible, right? But in meaning, in motion, means like, right, the game is on. The game is on. Right, let's go. That's it. You know you know what you would have in English? It's let's go. If you heard the iqama, you would say, let's go. Game on. Right? Game face. Guys, get ready. It's not actual started, but we're now stand up. You get what I'm saying? It's, a, it's difficult. If the prayer... It's, all of them work and all of them don't work, you know. But but even in Arabic, it causes a problem, right? That's why they, that's why there's a difference of opinion. That's why they're saying: Are they referring to the iqama? Are they referring to the end of the iqama, or are they referring to the third position, the beginning of the prayer? I.e., takbiratul ihram, Allahu Akbar, ashruq, as we say for salah. Okay. So. So. Sheikh says. This is therefore led to a difference of opinion amongst the scholars that explain this hadith. Al-Qawl al-Awwal, there are three opinions. Al-Qawl al-Awwal, that the intention behind this, <coughs> the first opinion, by the meaning of Iqamat al-Salah, that the prayer has been established, yeah, in the hadith, in the hadith of the Prophet that when the prayer is established, then there is no other prayer to be offered other than the obligatory prayer. That's a hadith, remember, okay? That's a hadith. If the, is the, if the prayer is is established, does it mean that, that the prayer has been... If, if the, does it mean if the prayer is commenced, i.e. that the imam has started the prayer with takbiratul ihram, 
first opinion. القول الثاني أن المراد بالإقامة ابتداء الإقامة. The second opinion, alright, is when if the prayer is established means Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله. The second opinion. القول الثالث, the third opinion, أن المراد انتهاء الإقامة. That the intention behind or the meaning behind when the prayer is established, if the prayer is established, is the end of the iqama. Now, people might say, well, that is takbiratul ihram. No, it's not. No, it's not. And I mean, obviously, if you're in a Debandi mosque, Guji mosque, yeah, you'll hear them. It's amazing to pray in a Guji mosque. You know, sometimes I just do it just to get that buzz. You'll hear the iqama. He'll go, Qad qamati salah, qad qamati salah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. My, my dad's mosque, yeah, our own mosque, the one that we built in our village, we pray in Imam full down that behavior, full, full. Taliban folks, Taliban sent their, their, their students down to our, our sites, they need to lead prayer and stuff like that. That's their fiqh, the Ubandi Hanafi fiqh, no delay allowed, no delay. They will literally, iqama, and they, actually, you. I've watched the Imam. And the people. So you watch the Imam, and the Imam, when the Mu'addin is saying, Qad qamat islah, qad qamat islah, Allahu Akbar, Allah, now I'm the Imam. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. You hear the Imam go like that. Everybody's got their arms, uh, hands here, and by when he goes, la ilaha illallah, everybody said Allahu Akbar. No, so obviously for those folks, it would be the same thing. But actually, this third position is very different than the first one. Because there's a gap. Bro, if I'm leading the prayer, I need about one or two minutes. Right? I will go up and down the lines as soon as to go and check everybody's straight. Check the lines are full. Go back second, third lines. Make sure everybody, remind them to straighten up. Remind them to fill the gaps. Remind them, and if you're going to follow the sunnah, then remind them that to pray as if it's the last, the, the, the last prayer, the, the, the final prayer, etc, etc, etc. So, uh, so, actually this third opinion... Uh, this third opinion is a different one. Okay? Hmm. Sheikh says, these are the three positions, but if we understand the wisdom, okay, the first opinion is Allahu Akbar, the beginning of the prayer. The second opinion is the start of the iqamah. The third opinion is the end of the iqamah. Okay? Sheikh says, if we understand the, the wisdom behind the prohibition of any other prayer being prayed at the same time, we can work it out. We can work it out. And what is the wisdom? He goes, the wisdom behind all this hadith and this prohibition, right, is that people do not busy themselves with a nafil prayer whilst the people are praying yeah, next to them, obligatory prayer in a congregation. So therefore we can see that there are two key differences that you are creating by your renegade rebel action. Okay? Your khawarij action. Khariji action. You're praying alone, everyone's praying together. You're praying nafil and they're praying fard. What on God's earth are you doing? You're creating a scene, you're bringing attention to yourself, you're not showing unity, you're breaking integrity of the mosque. By the way, you might think this is exaggerated. It's not. Bro, I'm telling you now, let alone the Imam, as a Musalli, 
when we are stacking up in Fajr, bro, this is a nightmare, man. It's a nightmare. Okay? When you stand up in the prayer and you are given the iqamah and you see someone come and we're all now tightening the lines and we're about to get ready and you see that pack come in and he starts the sunnah prayer because the Hanafis are very strict on that. Why? Because the Hanafis say that you cannot change the order. You cannot pray the two fard now and then pray the two sunnah afterwards. And so for in their madhab, they said, don't worry, this hadith, yeah, we accept this hadith, but this hadith is general. And specifically, we have to pray this two sunnah prayer before the fard prayer. So this is an exception to the rule. And that makes sense if you think about it, but it's completely invalid because it goes against the hadith. There's no evidence to say that that hadith is general and we are making something specific. There's just no evidence for that position. So it's rejected. I'm sorry. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's why the Hanafis do this all the time. And now just talking about the, the, the integrity and the, the unity, whatever, I can tell you that the level of anger that people have and me when I turn around and I see someone starting it drives me flipping smoke in my ears when I see someone doing that Bagheret action even if it's following the Hanafi school follow the Hanafi school in another place this is about everyone all madahib don't be a flipping plum yeah but they do it they do it anyway anyway Sheikh says I don't know where to stop, but let's uh, let's see. Let's go on for a few more minutes. Sheikh says, and it's clear that if a person was to start his nafil prayer after the muqim uh, uh, had uh, uh, started the iqamah, okay, then he is not going to finish this prayer. فَإِنَّهُ لَنْ يَنْتَهِ مِنْهَا غَالِبًا إِلَّا وَقَدْ شَرَعَ النَّاسَ فِي صلاة الجماعة. He goes, if a person starts the prayer after this iqamah or during the iqamah, his nafil prayer or his two sunnah prayer for fajr prayer, he starts it. There's no way that he's finishing it before the jama'ah starts. No way. I don't care how long a person takes to, to straighten the rows. I don't care how long it takes for a person to give the iqamah. There's no way that you are starting and finishing unless you're just praying a job prayer. Okay. So Sheikh says, therefore, it is not permissible for a person to start to start, and just like Umar Ibrahim is emphasizing, to start a non-obligatory prayer after the muqim, the mu'adhin, has started giving the iqamah, has started Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashhadu Allah, 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 you are not allowed to start your nafal prayer. Because at this moment, the illa, the reason for the prohibition has started. You are now being different to the jama'ah. You are starting nafil, they're doing fard, you're praying alone, they're praying congregation. You are intentionally being different from Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, forbade that. And he goes, وَمِن بَابِ أَوْلَىٰ أَن لَا يَشْرَعَ فِي النَّافِلَىٰ إِذَا إِنْتَهَتِ الْإِقَامَةِ أَوْ إِذَا شَرَعَ لِمَنْ فِي الصَّلَىٰهِ He goes, and if that's the position for the iqamah started, then what do you think about then if the iqamah has ended? And what do you think then about the prayer starting with Allahu Akbar? How can a person possibly imagine it being permissible to start the prayer. And of course, Hanafis will do it because that's what they believe. Yeah. So therefore, Sheikh says, um, therefore, فَلَا صَلَاةَ إِلَّا الْمَكْتُوبَةِ So there's no prayer to be offered except the obligatory prayer when the prayer is established. This is talking about the starting. فَلَا صَلَاةَ تُبْدَأُ إِلَّا الْمَكْتُوبَةِ is the intention behind the meaning. That no prayer should be started except the obligatory prayer. Okay. 
All right? Sheikh says, question. There is no prayer. There is no prayer. Sheikh Uthamin's already defined it as there is no prayer, brackets to be started. Sheikh says, there is no prayer. Does it mean no prayer to be started, no prayer to be finished as well? Does it mean both? No prayer to be started, but also no prayer to be finished or to be continued or to be completed. I.e., you're in the first raka'ah halfway through. And the iqamah is given. Last salah. There's no prayer for the one except the, the obligatory prayer. So does that mean you who is already praying, you also have no prayer? Sheikh says there's two positions of the scholars in this. Al-Qawl al-Awwal, 165, is this includes both of them. It includes neither you're allowed to start the prayer and neither are you allowed to finish it. Okay? He is not to complete the prayer. He is not to complete the prayer that he's in it. Sheikh says, in, to the extent that some of these scholars went to extremes, they exaggerated this issue so much and they said that if a person is praying and he is <laughs> finished his two raka'at sunnah prayer and he's in the tashahud and he's just got assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah left <laughs> and the imam mu'addin gives the iqama that person, his prayers invalidated because the prayers of the Prophet said, La salah illa al-maktuba. There is no prayer. Meaning like the prayer is not valid. That's their interpretation. Okay? And Sheikh says, obviously, that's hardcore. That's mental. Yeah, because the person basically finished. He goes, that's the first position. That it includes both of them. The second position القول الثاني أنه لا صلاة ابتداء وعلى هذا القول يتم النافلة ولو فاتته الجماعة. Sheikh says the second opinion is that no, this only applies to starting the prayer, not to completing it, not for completing it. Okay. Now, if you were to follow Sheikh Uthamin says if you were to follow the second opinion faithfully, okay, that would then mean that if you have started the prayer already then you can continue that prayer even if you miss the jama'ah. And he's right. If you follow that opinion to the word, they're not making any, any exemptions or exceptions. So that basically means that you are going to have to, not have to, you would then continue the prayer. And if you miss the jama'ah, you miss the jama'ah. So Sheikh Uthameen says, وَالَّذِي يَظْهَرْ أَنَّ قَوْلُهُ لَا صَلَاءَ الْمُرَادْ بِهِ اِبْتِدَاؤُهَا وَأَنَّهُ يَحْرُمُ عَلَى الْإِنسَانِ يَبْتَدَأَ نَافِرَ Sheikh says, as for what is clear to me, Allahu A'lam, then this is referring to the starting of the prayer only and not about the completion of the prayer. Not the completion of the prayer. And the Hanbalis also agree with that. Okay? No, I don't think we can take that, to be honest. Because then they say, But if he is in the nafal prayer in kanafina if he's already in that sunnah prayer he completes it unless illa an yakhsha fawat al jama'ah unless that so if that person has started the prayer 
then you know he completes it. And how does he complete it? He makes it light, so he doesn't recite a surah in it, for example. He only says Subhana Rabbil Adim once, for example, Subhana Rabbil Ala once, for example. He buns the end of the surah, he has to now just leave that because you've got to hurry up, bro. You've got to hurry up, man, because you've started and the jama'ah is like, you know, what's going on, bro? You got what I'm saying? So you hurry up and get in so that you can get into the fard and catch some of it. Okay. So, that's I think where we'll stop because that's big money subjects and big things. Basically, he's saying that, but if you think that you're going to not catch the jama'ah, if you think you're going to miss the jama'ah, then you cut the prayer and you jump into the obligatory prayer so you catch it. Which therefore leads to the question, with what do you catch the obligatory prayer? What's the definition of catching a prayer? Is it the whole catch the ruku', catch the raka'ah? Or the second hadith, catch the ruku', catch the prayer? Or is it the first taslima of the imam, or is it before the second one? Or is it in tashahud? All these opinions are different opinions. We will cover that insha'Allah. Bi'idni al-Mawla. Bi'idni al-Azawajal. From al-Aqsa. Al-Sharif. Next week insha'Allah. Ya Rabbi. Allahumma yassir. Allahumma khtahalin ya Rabbi. Alright ladies and gentlemen. Yes. And that concludes another wonderfully timed um, lesson of logical progression. I ask you, what did Shazad Salim do in this lesson? What did he do? People saying Shazad Salim is so important and so this, that. What did he do? Tell me that. What creates any YouTube link? This is what he does. You tell me, why is it that you love Shazad Salim so much? What did he do? I don't get it. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got to tell you something. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Alright, me and Hiba are catching up uh, soon. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend, Hiba's weekend started today, so my weekend starts. Well, my weekend starts whenever Hiba's weekend starts. That's the only thing you guys need to know, number one. Number two, next week, whether we do it from Aqsa or whether we do it from jail. Whether we do it from jail. It's the last lesson of the year. Okay, don't forget, this is the last lesson because the week after... Walaikum as-salam, man, is there no problem? Um, give my salams to Sheikh Wali. Um, uh, last, next lesson is the last lesson of the academic year. We will restart again in... Um, uh, Mesa, stick on the Telegram group, please. Everybody needs to be in the Telegram group. Yeah? Um... Uh, end of year 10 Amazing Wallahi amazing We will start year 11 Probably September sometime Okay uh, Year 11 always starts After Ramadan And the break And the summer holidays And Hajj And the summer holidays So Yeah we'll probably start in September We'll see what happens Inshallah Okay So In the meantime There's next week's lesson It's going to be on Thursday 
and it's going to be possibly one hour earlier than normal. I will confirm that next week, inshallah, whether I'm doing it from jail, whether I'm doing it from London, whether I'm doing it from Aqsa, whether I'm doing it in quarantine. There are so many, many things. Zubair makes a good point. Zubair makes a good point. Is this going to be in person? And I think it will be, inshallah, Zubair. I really do think it will be. Okay? As Ramadan gets further back, this is definitely going to be a challenge. Shorter and shorter academic years, and to which we will need to have uh, uh, a solution. Now, that is something that I haven't tried. I might pack Shazad's picture in my hand luggage. And at the moment when they're saying, you know, how do we know that you're legit and that you think, I'll just pull out. So you see this guy, hey, this is my, this is the, the logical progression of people is built upon this guy. Everything I do built upon this guy. He doesn't just make YouTube links. He's the most single biggest, most important yani, uh, person on this planet. Okay. You know, I said what you need to really do is to check in the first few years how many lessons we had. Okay. Right. Let's do some q and I saw some questions here. Iram asks, if you are already praying your Sunnah Nafal prayer and the... Con no, no, that's coming next week. Okay. If you, it's worse when you have someone in front row taking his time praying Sunnah. Oh, Rafiq, don't even get me started, bro. Had you cut the prayer? That's going to be next week, inshallah, Rumana. Um, uh, uh, I love by the way, you know what the greatest thing ever is? Is the way that Mesa defends Shazad. And the way that Shazad defends Mesa. Both of them, you know, two peas in a pod. They both cannot stand it, you know, that this extra work for them. Lazy bunch of rats. I see you guys. I see you guys. I understand the politics. Don't worry. I've got friends as well. I've got friends as well, by the way. That's what I'm saying. All right? Qasam. Sumaira says, Making the rep the repetition of Jama'a Makru' in Mecca and Medina, was that based on evidence or purely logic to protect the main Jama'a? I think the second. There's no evidence. Don't step, Mesa. Don't. Lazy comes in different forms. Lazy is in different forms. Don't push me now. You know, you just made my eyes. Can I just say to you, by the way, this Mansera is good, but this Mansera, Oud Violet, yeah? It is lovely. Oof. I haven't seen him spread out on chats for a long time. Woof! Boosted in mood there, bro. bro. Come on, Mesa, tell us the lessons in the first couple of years. Oh, Shaz, the whole mood has changed. Shaz Salim is, is LP and the most important person in the world. Um, we should do academic years from after Eid al-Adha to commencement of Ramadan. We should do academic years from after Eid al-Adha to commencement of Ramadan. The reason I can't do that, Sumaira, is because uh, summer holidays is too busy for me. And I'm not normally yani, in the country, I'm traveling and blah, blah, blah. The summer holidays, UK summer holidays, is very difficult. Um, Mariam asked this question last week. My grandma prays Salat Tasbih. Often, but according to the research I've done, the hadith is weak regarding it. Should I encourage her to stop with this practice and instead continue general prayer that are proven in Islam? No, I, I think that there's enough evidence for the hadith. 
I think it's okay. I personally, I don't think that it's the strongest either, but many, many bigger scholars than me and you think that this hadith is good enough. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I think that you should encourage it to pray the more authentic and yeah, normal sunnah, but salat uh, al-tasbih. I think what you should do is to encourage her to make it feel more special, not to pray it more often, but to reduce it to like a couple of times in the year. That's what I would encourage her. That oud is nice, right? By the way, you want you guys do, guys, you're welcome, okay? You're you're welcome. You're all incredibly welcome. And let me tell you, Shaz. By the way, this is a killer oud. Killer perfume, the Merchant of Venice. All right, it is unique. It's not like well, all the rest of people have. You will hardly hear anyone see anyone wearing it. Let me tell you something. You get that bad boy. Oof! It's a fire. It's a fire. Anyway, um, that's what I was gonna do. Okay, uh, Maryam. She also prays a number of nafal in the last third of the night. However, she has a different intention for each two rakah she prays. For example, she prays with the intention for forgiveness for the whole ummah or prays with the intention of giving reward to her parents. Is it correct to advise her of making these intentions, just make the intention to pray to Hajjit and make dua for forgiveness for the whole ummah parents instead? Yeah, this is difficult, man. Because, yeah, you should encourage her because this idea of praying for people is not right. Rather, you... If anything, you would pray the prayer and use it to boost your dua. That's the sunnah approach. You'd offer something to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then make dua. That's the sunnah. And, but that's going to require teaching, you see. And it's difficult to teach grandmas, things like that. You know, that's like a major kind of shift. What is your position on the four raka'ah sunnah before the asr salah? Is it something that we should practice? I don't think that the hadith are authentic enough to pray it, uh, Shahnara. Okay. That's why I don't offer it myself, and I think that the position of the, the majority of scholars is that it is not from the authentic uh, Sunan. Okay? Mansera is spelt like this Oud Violet. It's nice. Alright? Then the Merchant in Venice. The Merchant of Venice is good you want to know what the absolute best is you want to know the number one you want to know what the number is well it's between this and thingy roots of here on dng these are the two greatest oods in the world bar none okay bar none all right Iram that's coming whenever. Artillet is a French perfumery, French perfume house. Oud Safir. It is, it is, it is crack for the nose. It's so good, unbelievable. And Royal, is it Royal Desert Oud? Stuff from La, sorry. Sorry. Velvet Desert Oud. 
I got my name mixed up. Velvet Desert Oud. Okay. The Merchant of Venice is so good. But these are a bit expensive. All right. If you want something which is um, best value oud, if you want the best value oud, the, 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 the queen and king of all ouds is what I put there. Don't listen to anybody else. Don't give me your suggestions. I'm not interested. My whole life is about this. Me and Shaz do nothing else. Yeah. Economical options. Natino when it's on sale. Yeah. Yes, Sumera is done. Lesson's done. Asalaamu Alaikum, Sumera. We're now just going to just relax and enjoy our company, good company, a little bit. It's good to be with the, with the brothers and sisters. Well, like, yeah, relax a bit, man. It's stressful. Gassam, yeah, this is stressful. We're going to get my taxes done this week as well. And I'm having to find certificates doing all the flipping, washing and cleaning. And I've done a lot of stuff this week, man. I need a break. I need a break. So, Oud Safir, very expensive. Incredibly beautiful. See you Abdurrahman. See you inshallah 26. You're going to love that class. You're going to love it. Um, D&G. Velvet Desert Oud, it's 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 just the best. These two are they're they're inseparable and they're at the top. The Merchant of Venice, Byzantium and Saffron is like a number three or two. But these are all expensive. Byzantium is not that expensive. What you are if you want to do something which is good price, Gucci intense oud, you'll get 90 mils. Yeah. 100 mils on Natino. If you time it right, you can pick it up for about 70 quid. 80 quid. Plans for Hajj will come out. Oud Royal by Armani is excellent. It's a top five, top eight uh, thingy. We have others, obviously. We have Nasimoto, Afghano, Black Afghano, which is crazy. Black Afghano is like a number three or four in the list. That's a very harsh, that actually smells of hashish it's got hashish in there it's like fitna but that's probably my fourth third third or fourth whatever anyway don't don't think my point is is that these are mood changes you don't understand right hajj's guy waiting next one two weeks will get i think it does good signs though good signs if you're on the list then i wish you all the best there's like about a thousand one hundred people on the list and we're gonna have to work out what's going on nida you know what it is about what you can afford all right. The problem is, is that you got to be careful with dads, yeah, because they don't value the perfume. If he values it, then get him something like that. But good, cost efficient. Go to natino.co.uk, get it in the thingy. Romana, she's heard of it. Romana, that's naughty. How you know about Black Afghano? That's very naughty, because that is major, major fitna. I haven't. To be honest, I will have a look at Reese, but there's no way that I'm paying £60 for anything by Reese for crying out loud. Salma for crying out loud. It's a fashion shop, Yanni, in Manchester and London. Come on, bro. Okay? Come on. You know what I mean? Uh, will you be doing Aksa again this year? Um Ibrahim, let me tell you guys, everybody. Everybody, let me tell you what my plan is for this year, inshallah. If Hajj happens, which it will... Depending upon the numbers, we don't know what how many they will allow. We will then deal with the group accordingly. Hajj will be 
No, no, you can't include year four, man. Forget year four. Year two, 35 lessons. So 35 has been the most. So we're not that miles off of 30. But well, well done, Mesa. That's really good, that. That gives us an idea, isn't it? 30, so low 30s is our average. So we're like about two lessons off, probably. Yeah? Okay. Or three lessons off average. TK. Um, Hajj after Hajj, right. So first of all, okay, number one. I'm going to do, inshallah, an Umrah program mid-August. The second that the Haram opens after Hajj, we're going to go. It's going to be hot, but the program's going to be based kind of around the idea of around, uh, you know, not having to be outside too much. But it allows people in the summer holidays and the kids to go in the summer holidays. So around 15, 16, 17, 18 of August. Okay, 10 days program. That's going to definitely happen. That's going to be in August. All right. I haven't told Hajj with the E. I haven't told uh, uh, Dome yet. There are early discussions, but nothing confirmed. There will also be an Umrah program in October half term holidays, which is roughly around the 18th of October for 10 days as well. Again, allow families either to go with their kids or to get their kids looked after because that's easier for them. And then, of course, there'll be one in Christmas, but that's only for the folks that have got the monies because Christmas is so expensive. Flights are expensive. Hotels are expensive. That's like two grand plus, and it's expensive, and I hate that. Same reason I don't go in Ramadan. I hate expensive. So I don't know if I boycott Christmas, maybe, but I don't know. We say that. We say that. Oh, we take kids, yeah, but, you know, I prefer them. They're not babies, that's all. Because, you know, if they're like threes, fours, fives, as long as they're not babies, because babies headache. Yeah? But anyway. The big thing is September. Inshallah, towards the back end of September, we're hoping to put together a three, the one that was planned for the last three years, the three the three uh, sacred cities. We'll go to Aqsa first, and then we'll go to Amman, and via Amman, then we will spend a few little while there, then we'll go to Medina, and then from Medina we'll go to Mecca. So the three, all combined, inshallah, in in September like and it's not school holidays that that would not be school holidays that'll be like a 15 16 day trip and that will be like you know back end of September nice weather nice time and hopefully you know for the people who that don't want the kids around and stuff like that or they don't want to do it in holidays because they can't get holidays that's my plan so theoretically there are four more trips to the Haram and one more to the Aqsa the second one so August, Haram Umrah only. September would be Umrah and Aqsa. October, Umrah and uh, uh, thingy. Um, December will be the Umrah. In terms of dates, um, to be honest, we're quite a bit away. Okay? That's quite a bit away. But it could be a few weeks. It's, it's difficult to do that because you've you got to have your dates very clear and my dates aren't very clear. But I know the back end of September, if I'm going to put a pun on it, where's my phone? If I'm going to pun on it, yeah, you want me to pun on it, don't you? If I'm punting on August, yeah, I'm saying that the August one is in the region of around the 17th of August, maybe. This is, don't you dare write, uh, hold me accountable to this. But August 17th of August, Takriban, till 27th. September, you want to ask about September, yeah? 
I reckon 21st. No, no, that would be. Uh, hmm. Yeah, so difficult to work out the the, 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 the the September one. You think probably either 15th of the 15th of September or the 22nd of September for a total of 15 days. So 15th of September, maybe 14th, 15th of September or 22nd of September. October hmm. October is like like October I think might be like the the 20th or 13th of October yeah, this is too confusing I don't know what's going on all right guys kids can come to Aksa yeah oh no idea Simon that would be cheap all three, what kind of prices? That's not going to be cheap, is it? Two and a half, maybe? Two sevens? Two threes? Just trying to mentally put the last March trip. Romana, how much was this? Uh, this uh, How much was the uh, quad, the triple? Let's go for a triple. How much was the triple room just now in March? You guys obviously know I have nothing to do with that side of things. And I intentionally don't have anything to do with that. But whilst, yeah. It's not easy, to be honest. Uh, how much was the triple price? It would be definitely more. 1500 was twin room. So that would have been 1400 would have been a triple room. And that was at a cheaper time because it was not the holidays. So therefore... Um, you put maybe put a couple of hundred quid on top of that. 17. You know, it could be done for about like two twos or something. Why does it have to be two and a half? It doesn't make any sense why it need to be two and a half. Oh, the flight. Yeah. I don't know. Me, I'm thinking two and a half. 1400 is for the triple. So thingy. No, no. Medina. Quds, Amman, Medina, Dhul Halifa, we will do the Ihram and go to Mecca. That's how it would be. Right? I feel like I think like around. You know me, I'm budgeting for that trip two and a half thousand pounds. And if it works out at two thousand, then that five hundred pounds is spending money. And if it works out at two thousand two or two thousand three, then it's only two hundred pounds spending money. That's for me. That's how I'm looking at it. That's what I'd understand. But it might be done cheaper. You don't know, man. These boys can get some good deals, you know, especially if Royal Jordanian comes through. To get the deal, we would have to go from London because we'd have to use Royal Jordanian because there's no other airline that goes all three cities other than Royal Jordanian. And we'd have to build it around Amman and the, the road bridge as opposed to Tel Aviv. It's a whole different experience, guys. I mean, I'm, that's going to be a proper trip, like road trip. Get me excited for man. Who knows, man? I might be bloody dead by then. Many bunch of fishes. All right, guys. Jazakumullah khair. See you next week. Subhanakallahu bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfirukallahu wa atubu alaykum wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Allah Akbar. Guys, you know when Israelis see that, they're gonna say, "How?"
how can we not let a guy in that looks like that? They're gonna wanna, they're gonna grab his cheeks. They're gonna go, enter, enter, enter in peace, enter in peace.